Welcome to Why We Wander. We talk about why people travel, the experiences that have transformed their lives, and how the travel landscape is evolving to meet the demands of a changing world. When it comes to travel, it seems like everywhere you look these days, there are new buzzwords, catchphrases, and trends. There's regenerative travel, slow travel, revenge travel, toe dip trips, vaccine passports, and travel corridors. And they're all real things. Today's episode will help you make sense of them. So Shannon, let me ask you about one of these. What comes to mind when you think about revenge travel? <laughs> First of all, I kind of hate the term. Um, I don't know. Okay, so it reminds me of this other thing that was really popular in the past year. And I don't know if you read about it anywhere. It was revenge bedtime procrastination. Did no. you read? <laughs> Not at all. You have <laughs> no idea what this is? <laughs> None whatsoever. Okay, I thought you were going to be like, oh yeah. Okay, so <laughs> for some reason, revenge travel immediately makes me think about this other thing that was driving me nuts this past year that I kept seeing articles about and memes about. And it's basically like when you have zero control over your daily life and like your daytime life, you use nighttime as a way to like, regain control and that you basically stay up all night like scrolling on your phone or so adults like, not not children I do think that it is a problem with teens but no I mean it's a problem with, for me I have this problem <laughs> for <laughs> sure like I I would be much better off going to sleep at 11 p.m but I like to stay up for an extra two hours to have like my quiet alone time. So mm -hmm. I think I hate the term because I relate to the term, but okay. there's something about the word revenge that just bothers me. I guess when I think of it, I think of it more as something where there's a lot of pressure, like a revenge travel plan sounds like a plan that requires, like it needs to be perfect, right? You're like, I'm going to get back at this. Yeah, right. I'm gonna get this year back. Like, it's gonna be the best. And so I guess that also stresses me out a bit because I'm like, I don't think my first big trip is gonna be perfect. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of things that don't go quite right. Uh, so, anyways, that's my long-winded thought. What about you? Well, I think that I think that about covers it, though, right? That like it really is about making up for lost time and trying to reassert control where we didn't have any over our travel plans and travel schedules. And I think that's why it's a weird name as much as I understand where it comes from. But mm -hmm. to your point that, you know, it means that like there's a lot of pressure on the trip itself. And right now, and we're going to talk about that, but like right now borders are closed the CDC and the State Department have all of these travel restrictions in place or guidance against traveling to certain places. So you're still limited mm -hmm. in terms of where you can go. And I saw it referred to in the context of traveling to Las Vegas, mm. which I don't necessarily think of as the first place I would go post a year of trips no. being canceled, especially because of what Las Vegas tends to represent. It's like being in enclosed spaces, casinos, and being in recirculating air, that just sounds like a COVID nightmare, right? No, so that doesn't sound like terrible. revenge on anything, but like our immune system. So I don't know what yeah. it's meant to- Like nightclubs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like people smoking, like none of that sounds like revenge <sighs> in a good sense. So maybe it's like better to think of it as like recuperative travel 
And then it takes a little bit of pressure off of it because it suggests that it's a process rather than like this one shot thing. Because I think you're right that there's no way a single trip anyway can make up for a year of lost opportunities, right? And lost time with loved ones and lost loved ones, right? Like everything that this year has encompassed for people, lost jobs, lost opportunities, no single tripper is going to be able to do that. So I think labeling it revenge travel, despite it meaning, you know, everything that we've been talking about, this sort of makeup period of travel is going to, is going to do that. And I don't think we should put that pressure on ourselves or on our experiences to do that anyway, just to recognize that like the past year and a half was what it was or year. And nothing's going to change what it was and nothing can, can repair what it was and it shouldn't have to, right? Like it can still be this special thing without that. Yeah. And then it starts to sound like we're talking about relationships, right? (laughs) Like Like revenge bodies, right? Like that's what comes to mind when I heard revenge travel. (laughs) Who are like, who are you breaking up with? Who are we making up with? And I guess we're making up with ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like trying to Mm -hmm. get back in touch with who we are after a year of just living a, a lifestyle that no matter who you are is totally different from what your life was ever like, even if you like mm-hmm. to be home and are enjoying the work from home thing and all of that. It's interesting because, you know, we are a travel podcast and built into that is the assumption that people have had meaningful travel experiences or that they're planning to have really meaningful travel experiences. But I'm always worried about the the privilege that's embedded in that and how alienating it might be for people who haven't taken a vacation either ever or in a really long time because we are speaking as though travel mm-hmm. is the default thing that is available right. to to everyone. And that's not the case. And I think that's part of what also sits really weirdly with me about the notion of revenge travel, in addition to everything we've already said, but that it sort of assumes this default experience of having access to travel were it not for Mm. the pandemic. And that now that that's over, you can go back to what you had before, but that leaves out so many people. And then it leaves out even more people who were financially ruined by the pandemic. So I think there's all this other stuff that it kind of brings up, which I guess makes it an interesting concept in spite of whoever coined it, because it does open up all these other things that we should be thinking about. And that I'm sure people who haven't gotten these experiences are looking at all the people on Twitter Maybe listening to our podcast and being right. like, do you know what it's like to have never left your hometown? Do you know what it's like to have never taken a vacation, right? Or to only travel to see loved ones, which is its own thing. But it just, it's it's prompting me to really think about just how much and how easy it is to take for granted this experience of travel in order to miss it, right? During the context of the pandemic. Yeah. And then I mean, to your point about like, now that it's over, right? Like the pandemic is like, we're all so quick to say like, it's over. like we're all like, <laughs> like four months ahead of ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not over for it. It does. I think there is a sigh of relief in, in my personal life right now. Like I, I did, I'm scheduled for my second vaccine. Like I, I have to acknowledge like my, my personal mindset is, is different than the world mindset and like in many parts of the world, the pandemic is still raging in the many parts of the world. Vaccines are not accessible 
yet to the majority of people. And there are different types of vaccine out there and some, the efficacy is different. And like, there's so many layers to that. Yeah. And I include myself in that, right. Cause I live in Canada where the vaccination rollout has been really slow. It mm-hmm. was only in the past couple of days that the, um, age gap or the age limit was lowered because it used to be that only people 55 and up could start getting vaccinated. And because there's a surge right now, they have lowered the age, um, to 40. So now all the, all the Gen Xers are really excited about being able to get vaccinated. There's only one real game in town. That's the AstraZeneca vaccine, which Mm -hmm. people have misgivings about. Um, but it just means that like, we're still very much in first of all, lockdown and in yeah. a pandemic, right? And the the timeline for AstraZeneca is very different than it is for Pfizer and Moderna. So people who are getting shots this week aren't going to get their second shot until August. Oh, so the wow. timeline really does matter in terms of, you know, what, what you can actually plan for. And yeah. it does mean that a lot of what we're reading is about a very different world, even in the US, right? Like, to your point that all of these travel publications, first of all, they have a vested interest in selling us on travel, right? They have their own editorial deadlines and they all also have money that needs to be made. And Mm -hmm. we do want the travel industry to survive and to thrive and for people to get back to connecting with one another and to making their worlds bigger. So all of that is good, but it does seem a bit out of step with the day-to-day reality a lot of us are living in, in various parts of the world and in various parts of the U.S. and North America more, more generally. Yeah, totally. And I think that brings up one of these other terms that's been put out there recently, which is this idea of doing like a, <laughs> such a bad term, but a toe dip trip. <laughs> I just stumble over myself saying it, uh, but I actually totally get it. And I think I relate to it more than I relate to the revenge travel term. Um, just this idea of just doing something small and still relatively local or domestic at the very least, um, just to get yourself ready to travel again and kind of, um, you know, just get in that mindset, maybe feel comfortable being close to people that aren't people from your household, particularly if you're maybe traveling with children or with elder elderly people, like who maybe their senses are even more like heightened with these kinds of things. Um, just getting them used to being in a crowd again and comfortable mm-hmm. again um, is, is worthwhile before you do that big revenge travel trip. I'm sure like a lot of people, including myself, probably have traveled in the past year a little bit like that locally. Um, but I, I think our next trip, which we're planning for going to Los Angeles, that'll be our toe dip trip. And maybe that's like, some people will be like, oh, that's not toe dip. <laughs> that's getting into revenge territory. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long flight. But it is a long right? flight. Yeah. Yeah, so, we haven't bought tickets yet. But I mean, this is all about planning, right? Looking forward. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's part of it too, that like you're dipping your toe into the planning of it all too, because it's one thing to plan a domestic trip and to just have to think about those details in a context that is still familiar, right? Like essentially Mm -hmm. familiar, even if the specifics are a little bit different versus planning something in a foreign country where there are linguistic differences, cultural differences, differences in terms of how they're handling the pandemic. So I could see that being a toe dip trip, even if it is a long flight because of all the other stuff being so familiar. 
I do like safecation better. I don't know. I think I'm just going to go through this whole list. Safecation. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit less annoying. Um, right. I, you know, thinking about the, the planning part of things, Tamara, I, this was so weird. I, today I decided to look for flights just out of curiosity, like how much they cost. I could not remember what site I used to look for flights. Whoa. Yes. I was with my, my husband and I was like, oh, I'm just going to look. I was like, I forget what I did to search for flights. What did I use? And I was kind of joking. I'm like, was it Expedia? And I knew it wasn't Expedia. I was kind of like, <laughs> like knocking on Expedia. And, I could, and, and my husband was like, no, um, kayak. And I was like, oh, yeah. I, I just had this complete brain freeze. Like it was oh, not yeah. coming to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you get rid of those apps on your phone too? Like, was it too hard to see that part of your phone? Yeah, I I guess I didn't have Kayak as an app. I think I just always use the browser version Mm -hmm. of it. I'm trying to think of if I've deleted any other travel apps though. I have them filed in the little mini folders where I can't see the icons unless I'm looking for them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have like my travel folder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it took, I mean, actually, I mean, so he had to remind me what it was. I probably would have sat there for another five minutes trying to think of what, it, what the name of the website was. Yeah. Well, this is making me wonder too about whether there are new games in town since we last yes. booked travel, right? Like maybe there are new, because even when we were using Kayak, there were all these contenders. Like I remember Hitmonk being one. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, the whatever the other ones were called, because I don't even remember that anymore. But yeah. I wonder if in the past year, there have been other contenders to crop up that will also change. And I know we're going to talk about this, this question of how we plan travel and how we think about travel, because that's ultimately what we're talking about anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if there are other sites that have emerged on the scene that might be worth looking into to kind of fill the space between like what used to be the old standby and what the new way forward is. Yeah. yeah, It's funny you say that. I'm just so out of practice. Yeah. And it used to be so easy, right. To be like, okay, well, I've got the window for flights. I've got the window for hotels. I got the window for car rentals and it's all, it's all set. Isn't that crazy? You're going to, th- I feel like you're going to have the same experience when, when you're starting to think about this. And I don't know. I, it just really showed me like what a number this year has done. You know, just a little simple thing like that. Like, that, I don't know. It made me, it was concerning. <laughs> well, and what's taken the place of that, right? Like, cause I feel like something else has like occupied that part of your brain <laughs> oh, the yeah. past year. Like it's probably ordering like, groceries. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> DoorDash. DoorDash. <laughs> I know all the sites that might deliver food to my house. Like Exactly. Yeah. Um, I can get but ice cream. You're adaptable. You can <laughs> <Anytime. get ice. laughs> So I feel like it'll, it, it's a muscle, right? That needs to be worked again and you'll work yeah. it again and it'll come back. Yeah. So. <laughs> But since we're talking about the the question of kind of new ways to relate to travel planning and mm-hmm. to traveling more generally, because I think a lot of these trends are about kind of going back to normal as quickly as possible, whatever normal is. But so much has changed that there 
really is no going back to normal. And it's not necessarily even ethical to go back to normal because so many ways that we have traveled have been unsustainable from an environmental perspective and unsustainable even from a local community perspective. And so that rush to go back to doing things exactly the way we used to do them is probably not what we spent this past year kind of building up to, right? Because I think there Mm -hmm. has been this mood of reflection on all fronts that should also apply to travel and to how we engage the world around us and the world that we're going to be kind of voyaging into. So Mm -hmm. I think that's what's interesting about some of these other trends, like regenerative travel, um, like vaccine passports, um, travel corridors. I mean, some of, I think with the vaccine passports and travel corridors, it's a slightly different thing because it's kind of a bureaucratic question. Mm -hmm. Where can your vaccine passport allow you to travel? Where will you be welcome to travel? Where are these travel corridors opening? Like I know there was one that opened between Australia and New Zealand, both island nations that have done an incredible job of containing the spread of the virus and are literal years ahead of us in terms of Mm -hmm. how they have kind of made it to the other side of things such that they have enough trust in each other's management of the coronavirus to open their doors and corridors up to one another. So I think those are different, right? Like it just means that people are going to have to enter into travel with an awareness of nation states in ways that are, are new for a lot of Americans, especially, right, who think yeah. that having a blue passport is really kind of a passport to the whole wide world. And yet we're seeing that that's, in fact, the opposite <laughs> right mm-hmm. right now, right? We're having an American passport means it's a shorthand for, like, not taking the virus seriously, for refusing to wear masks, for throwing hissy fits. And that's even happening around the conversation with vaccine passports, where there are some people who, especially of the more conservative variety, who think of these as infringements on one's liberty and that they shouldn't be closed off from visiting businesses or visiting foreign countries if they haven't been vaccinated because they don't want to get vaccinated. They refuse to submit to that. And so there's all these really interesting questions that are emerging with the the vaccine passport and the travel corridor thing that is more about kind of how how your home country is planning to receive people and mm-hmm. how you'll be received as a national in in other places. So those aren't really questions that are ultimately up to us to answer as kind of ordinary citizens. But I think when it comes yeah. to things like regenerative travel, it seems like a little more open-ended and open to interpretation and open to kind of individual understandings of of what these terms mean and what what it should look like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or like that idea of slow travel. And I do think that that's something as individuals that we could really focus in on this year as like a shift and a mindset shift of like going to one place, staying there, really taking it all in, enjoying it. It kind of goes hand in hand with the idea of like a safecation of maybe like renting a house um, instead of hopping from hotel to hotel um, and kind of like living somewhere as more of like a local and, you know, getting the vibe of that place rather than trying to hop around. Um, And obviously that's like reinforcing the idea of regenerative travel of, you know, not kind of feeding into like 
staying in a huge resort. The slow travel like resonates with me, I think in a lot of ways, like at a personal level right now, um, where it just sounds kind of like what I need. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's also Mm -hmm. probably better all around for both the receiving country and for, you know, staying safe as an individual when you're traveling. Yeah. And it also seems compatible with a lot of people's realities where they don't have a ton of vacation time, but right now Mm -hmm. they are able to work from home and a lot of Mm. companies have kind of transitioned to a permanent or indefinite work from home model which brings up another one of these trends or buzzwords, um, which we've come across, which is always OOO or out of office, (laughs) which seems to apply to people who are able to work remotely and have taken the opportunity to go somewhere other than where they live or even (laughs) other than where their families live and instead go to a place like Mexico or wherever the borders are open to Americans. And that way they're, they're able to experience travel even while still working and being connected to the, their desk and their work, but out of office in that sense. And I think that yeah, that's maybe the group for whom slow travel would especially appeal because then they're able to, you know, rent a place where they have a good Wi-Fi setup and a good work from home setup but it just happens to be in a vacation destination where you can hopefully and maybe even gradually start to experience the local culture in different ways, even if it's just visiting local grocery stores and learning mm-hmm. the language and words for things that you, you know, are, are baking or whatever, if people are still doing that. <laughs> I think yeah. people have gotten sick of baking and like all the elaborate cooking <laughs> that was happening this time last year. But I think there are still ways to experience new cultures even under these kind of new and in some ways open-ended, but in other ways kind of limiting circumstances. So that one, Mm -hmm. that one sounds really appealing. Um, You know, we've been talking about regenerative travel, but I think it's worth giving the the definition of it because it's, I think, implied and self-explanatory, but it's also really focused on, and I take this definition from the regenerative travel website, which we'll link to in our episode notes, that talks about being sensitive to the natural environment, history and culture, and also being ethical and sustainable. So thinking about travel in ways that aren't just about the the traveler, but about the host communities that one visits and the realities of that host community from environmental to social and, and cultural. Yeah. And I, I think that with regenerative travel, with slow travel, all of these terms that we're talking about now, I feel like they're just like polar opposite to what we started this conversation with, with the idea of revenge travel, which is this sort of like shoot from the hip, knee jerk (laughs) reaction to like feeling like, okay, the pandemic's over. And then there's these other terms, which are so much more thoughtful and, um, you know, intentional, um, if you will, which (laughs) Tamara and I have been thinking a lot about. um, And you've heard us talk about um, in a few episodes, but our intentional travel workshop series that we've been running. Um, And I think that I think that's why I kind of, when I hear the term revenge travel, it just doesn't sit well with me is because I really think that this idea of being intentional in our kind of post-pandemic world is going to be so important. I think for us to to really heal from this past year. Thanks for joining us. 
Like what you heard? Please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We invite all our listeners to sign up for one of our intentional travel online workshops. On May 8th, we will be discussing family travel, followed by intentional group travel and volunteerism on May 22nd, and intentional travel influencing on June 26th. Find out more at thewanderingscholar.org slash intentional dash travel.